This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast. Today on the show, we, our guest is Opie Blackwell. Opie is the Ridgeview Charter Middle School Principal in Georgia. Good morning, Opie. Hey, good morning, Eric. Glad to be with you. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised today when we, the Zoom turned on and I'm I'm seeing Opie in Georgia on the email and then I see a CU Boulder t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I, I wondered if somebody hacked the Zoom. That's not what I expected coming from Georgia. Yeah, no, it, it throws people for a loop, and that's why I wear it around here. I mean, every time uh, uh, staff members or even the kids uh, see a, a CU Boulder shirt around uh, the school in Georgia, they've got questions. Yeah, but that's my background. That's where I'm from. I grew up in Colorado. Yeah, and you've, you've been in the state of Georgia, um, high school English teacher originally, right? Everybody's favorite subject, and... Uh, did a little journalism teaching on the side, proof that all of us do things that we weren't trained for. I can I can relate to that, Opie. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we got connected um, through Jethro because he was actually in the audience um, when you were presenting at, at the AMLE conference recently. Yeah, that's, that's correct. So a, a team and I, of um, teachers and a couple of my support staff members were down at the AMLE, the Association of Middle Level Education Conference, uh, presenting on some interdisciplinary instruction work that we've been doing. And he was in the audience and got us connected. Well, tell us a little bit about um, the, the success and the, I'm sure the hard work that your team has put in to the, to the interdisciplinary teaming. What's that all about? Well, I mean, for us, what it's all about is um, I, I think it is um, it's one of the hardest things to achieve. Um, and so the reason that we were even, you know, kind of talking about it, and, and I'm glad to do it today is um, not because we're a shining beacon, um, but because, you know, we had some success. Um, and I think it's creating a groundswell here. And you know, we wanted to share that with some colleagues. But, but what it's all about is, um, you know, for these young adolescents in the middle school age range, um, there's so much that we can do at the middle school to make you know, teaching and learning better for them. But one of them is if the content areas have these connections, you know, probably like all of us, if we can see connections in between what we're doing and other tasks that we're being asked to complete, 
then the learning is, is potentially better and obviously just more connected. So the interdisciplinary teaching and learning is really just about how can we connect concepts in between uh, in, in the case that we shared at this conference, um, math and social studies, um, but it could be any content areas, um, you know, health and PE and art or, you know, common ones that people think of English and social studies. Um, but that's some of the work that we have been trying to get better at here. And, and one of the success stories that we were telling at this conference. Yeah. And, and how, how have you guys seen that success show up? What, what's that look like as far as staff and students? Well, for us, um, I think, you know, what, what we found to be really important um, was just, first of all, acknowledging that this was something we needed to get better at, Um, you know, and, and, and first, let me say, you know, the reason that interdisciplinary instruction is, is hard to accomplish sometimes is I think our teachers nowadays have so many things put on them, right? With just all of the state level mm-hmm. things. We're asked to be great experts at our own content area and monitor student performance and be responsive to their needs. That, that the last thing that we can kind of get to is let me be great at all of those things. And then let me also partner with somebody else in a totally different content and, you know, continue that good pathway forward. So it's, it's hard to achieve. What it looked like to start for us was um, because it's so hard, we knew we just needed to hold ourselves accountable for finally trying to make some progress. We actually wrote a grant, um, but that was our accountability tool Mm -hmm. was to get some funding and some kind of, you know, intrigue um, that we could give to the teachers that, hey, you know, if we could we could get some great interdisciplinary instruction going we've got some funding that we could do some really cool hands-on projects with the kids. Just something to kind of, number one, give us that accountability from the administrative side to help support this and make it happen, but also to give something to the teachers of, you know, to kind of make it exciting. Um, And so that was the start of it for us, um, was kind of this accountability tool. But I will tell you, Eric, what we felt really um, drawn to was, um, we wanted to incorporate student voice into um, our interdisciplinary instruction in this whole project. Um, we didn't want it to be, um, you know, the, the typical kind of planning that we, we do, which is, you know, the teachers figure out everything that we're going to do and here's the assessment or here's the tasks. Um, and so that for us was the real unique piece as well of wanting to have our students help us plan it and implement it. How did you do that? How did you get the kids involved with the the planning and get their voice in the in the process? A lot of work. Um, you know, we did some surveying of the kids and um, you know, just to kind of get some thoughts from them. I mean, where it started was our, our, we had to start obviously with with our teachers, you know. And we, we kind of did an all call, first of all, you know, for teachers and content areas who might be interested in doing some of this interdisciplinary work, let them know about the cool kind of, you know, funding that we had to give it a little jump start. And um, we had a couple of sixth grade teaching content areas interested, particularly in what ended up crossing the finish line was a math and, and social studies group in sixth grade. And so what we presented to the kids after we worked with those teachers a little bit was um, some of the standards that those teachers had remaining 
um, in you know the rest of the year or in this time frame that we had identified that we could do um, this interdisciplinary unit. And um, we truly let the kids, you know, with, with some planning tools and they partnered and grouped, we let the kids um, make some ideas and presentations to the rest of their class about how they thought these standards could be combined and then what they would propose that we could do so that they could show us that they had mastered these standards. So, I mean, they truly were the mastermind behind what are the connections and then what could we do? And I think for the kids, what was really exciting was like, I mean, you know, the exciting part wasn't the standards uh, for them, um, but the exciting part was, you know, oh my gosh, we get to plan potentially our own, you know, kind of project or outcome. I mean, they were on fire. That That's awesome, Opie. I'm just, I'm imagining sixth graders finding connections between math and social studies standards, which is not easy. I, I mean, I don't hear a lot of cross-curricular connections coming up between those two. And then presenting to their peers and, and proposing like how they're going to demonstrate what they learned, almost like assessment design. And, right. and, and you're talking sixth graders. Yeah. And they, they could totally, I mean, you know, now obviously we had to, you know, kind of, you know, present some of the language and the standards in a way that the kids would understand um, what they ended up um, trying to make some connections in between um, maybe were, you know, some easier concepts for them. Um, but we had picked a math standard um, that, was surrounding um, like fluently adding and subtracting whatever the language was um, and dividing decimals, multi-digit decimals and algorithms for those operations. And then a social studies standard that was around um, uh, some money management. Um, and so I think also that the selection of these standards kind of had, you know, a real world application, you know, that they could talk about, you know, money and, and, um, you know, what they could do with money. So I think that was some of the excitement and maybe what made it a little bit easier for them. So I think there was some intentional selection, but yeah, I mean, the kids were totally able to do it. I mean, just, you know, I think their wheels got spinning. It was, it was something that they're not normally presented with. We learned. Um, but when given the opportunity, um, they totally bought into it. Yeah, just giving them giving them a voice and letting them take some ownership. What did your What did your teachers think when when those students presented that? Were they Were they as impressed as I am just hearing about it? I, it was very invigorating for the teachers. I won't lie though um, that it was it was hard for us. I think to you know, as, as teachers and educators, and you know, it's kind of hard to turn over that much control to the kids. You know, we really yeah. had to think intentionally about, okay, well, you know, how can we guardrail their planning and, you know, what kinds of steps can we give them as we're letting them work with their groups so that they don't come up with these, you know, crazy and wacky ideas. Um, uh, but, uh, once we got to the point where we felt comfortable with, you know, that what we gave them and, and the process that we were going to use with them that was going to keep them in, in the right kind of guardrails, then it became invigorating. You know, I mean, don't we all get excited when we just get to see kids, um, you know, taking that kind of ownership and thinking outside of the box and and, 
you know, almost even before they do the work, showing us that they're going to be able to do what's required of them at the end. What I think what's special about that is, um, you know, I, th I think one of our goals always in, in when we're when we're teaching and working with kids, whatever the age range is, we want them to be successful on whatever the outcome is, whatever the project or the test is, but they don't always know as much as intimately about what's going to be required of them at the end. And in fact, that's our job, right? To try to make sure they know as we go along. But in this case, you know, if, if, if um, we're able to do these kinds of interdisciplinary projects on grander scales, the kids already intimately know it they know everything about what's going to be coming at the end because I mean, in fact, they, they planned it. Yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> that's just exciting to think about OP. Is that, is that kind of the same process I would assume after you got your first um, teachers that, that were willing to give this a shot, you know, your math and social studies, I would assume that your other content areas and grade levels are getting excited and wanting to get involved and wanting to try this out, would, would they use that same process of having students kind of propose those connections and designing, you know, projects and tests? So, so some of the, the group that, um, you know, presented um, at this conference with me about this were the teachers who did it, obviously. I mean, they're the, the masterminds behind the project. And, um, you know, they would say, did say over and over again, that although initially almost a big roadblock in the project was this idea of letting the kids help us to plan it. Now, I think having seen it and done it, and, and like you said, kind of felt that, um, just that power. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it, 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 it gives us that process to you know, let the kids be just totally invested in the work that they're doing. It, it's, it's a game changer from the standpoint of, at least at my school, um, and, I, and I think, you know, schools everywhere, you know, one of, the, one of the significant challenges we have nowadays is just maintaining that student engagement um, in the learning process. Um, because, you know, learning is not always, you know, fun and, and, and isn't always built around that, you know, quick, short attention span that they have. And not to say that this was the, you know, the, the second by second, you know, glue that held it all together, but there's a different investment and in buy-in from them um, that really was also miraculous for the teachers to see um, how some of the kids who were not as typically engaged did the work in class, in math, um, and in social studies while they worked through this project. So we do now have some, some teachers. Um, this was an interdisciplinary unit between math and social studies. Um, but one of the outcomes was that the ELA teachers in sixth grade want to jump on board with doing this same project again um, this school year, uh, because this was last year when we did it, um, and embed a new component to it um, involving, you know, the writing process. What, what's the best example you've ever seen of, of a interdisciplinary project or, or connection? This may rival one of the best. Um, and that may just be because it's in recent memory. 
um, but also because of the way that it involved the kids. Outside of that, um, I have seen um, I've seen some great interdisciplinary projects in between um, social studies and ELA teachers. Um, it, it was again in sixth grade here at our school. Um, doing a unit on, um, well, not a unit, but doing learning on water scarcity um, and pairing a text connection with that. And the, the real driver was the, the social studies exploration of water scarcity um, in the East um, and then finding, you know, texts in ELA that they could read different real world examples about that. Um, I think that was another time, even though the kids didn't plan that one, that was another time when, you know, kids can walk down the hall from a social studies class, you know, and see a real world connection between that and what they're reading in ELA, which as a former ELA teacher, I'll own that you don't oftentimes feel like when you're reading, you know, fiction texts, that there's a great real world connection. And so that was, a, that was again, kind of a game changer. Um, and, and one of the reasons why, even though, like I said in the beginning, this is the hardest thing to try to achieve when we can as educators. I mean, it really makes cool things happen for kids and teachers. I mean, uh, just, you know, lifts everybody's spirits a little bit. Yeah. And I, I asked that because I, I think when, when you, you talk with teachers about you know, what you could do and some of the possibilities with this, if you have a really exciting, fun example that you, that you can see as a teacher, it's like, oh yeah, we could do that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think about like Jethro's first book, um, School X, he talks about a school-wide example that they did at his middle school, every single content area. Um, and it was a utopia project where students design their own country. And so you've got art incorporated with the design of the symbols and the flags and math with their currency and social studies with their type of government and ELA standards incorporated with, um, you know, writing out their rules and, and governmental structure. And it's like, holy cow, that would be really fun to see a kid go from first period to the end of the day for two weeks and every single class connected to the same concept same idea um, and when you can show that to a teacher it's like oh yeah we can do that kids will get excited about that um, that's something they'll enjoy the other example I I saw a high school teacher this was years ago when the zombie craze was kind of coming out in movies and, right. and tv shows and and they did a, a really cool um, high school cross-curricular unit with zombies so science <clears throat> you know was talking about infectious disease and math rate of decay and exponential growth and language arts writing uh, PSAs and um, health order announcements which now with COVID you could probably make a lot of the a lot of the same connections but kids kids get into that and it's fun as a teacher to to see that engagement like you said more authentic um, real world connections can can really help kids see like you, do, you don't get a lot of questions during those units. Why, why are we learning this? When are we ever going to need to know this? Like you might in a traditional, you know, math or, or any other content area class. We were just um, 
talking about just some good examples to get get teachers excited and see that this is a doable thing. Um, you you mentioned you know there's this is one of the hardest things to get going and and some roadblocks like teachers um, really giving up control to get more of that student voice. One one roadblock I know is a real challenge for teachers and you as a principal to to try and try and solve. How do how do you get teachers the time to plan. Yeah, no, you, you hit a nail on the head. Um, and that is, yeah, time is always the thing that we don't have enough of. And like I said earlier, especially, you know, when we're going to be so great at our own content area, then finding that time to reach out um, and, and connect with a colleague and, and do that deep planning can be, can be difficult. Um, so for us, um, you know, we may be fortunate, but I, but I know it's something that, um, you know, that, that we heavily value. We have some built-in planning time for our teachers. You know, they have PLC meetings each Wednesday. We're fortunate enough that we can do um, a double block of back-to-back um, planning time for them. Um, and so we were able to, still had to kind of carve it out on the agenda, but um, you know, to give some heads up and warning that, you know, in a couple of Wednesdays, we're going to be coming down and asking for and looking for some of these ideas um, in between interdisciplinary connections. Now, also, um, one of the things that um, we were able to do, um, uh, whether that was through grant funds or, you know, we were able to budget just some professional funds for teachers is when we got enough of a groundswell going, um, we did give this particular group of teachers as a little nod to all of the time that it was taking. Um, we did give them, I think, another half a day uh, once or twice during the, the real big planning process um, to kind of get this across the finish line. Now, I don't think we do that every time moving forward. I think, you know, we needed a groundswell. I think it's totally doable. Um, if you can do some long range planning and, and just handle it in normal professional learning types of communities. Um, but we did do that initially for some of our teachers um, because we needed it to needed it to move and feel like they had enough time and support to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the the common sentiment and I, I empathize with it. You know, there's just never enough. You can't have enough time. You don't have right. too much time to plan. And as a teacher, it's like, I'm so worried about all my own stuff. I have to be ready for now. You want me to do this with another teacher in a content area. I don't know anything about, and they don't understand my standards. And yeah, I will tell you, Eric, one of the things that we're doing um, this year um, to try to keep, keep the thought processes alive more as we go on and throughout the year is um, we are having each content area and one of our curriculum support folks kind of helps them with this to just do a little, I mean, it's like the simplest component of visual um, planning that we keep on a little board down in our, our PLC collaboration room for each month that literally just says, you know, the kind of the, the topic or big idea that each content area PLC is working on with a short one or two sentence description below it about, you know, kind of what that means. Um, so that this year when we are asking a little bit more frequently and regularly to try to find those interdisciplinary connections that, you know, we have a place where you can kind of visually go and take stock of, you know, 
is there maybe an opportunity for me to connect with something that another content area is doing? Yeah, that's a great idea. And there, there's probably a lot of times where you can find some real natural connections without having to, you know, change your, your planning or your, um, you know, your, your lesson structure when you, when you can see it visually like that, that's a great idea for staff. Yeah. What, what do you feel like have been some of the challenges for you as an administrator to get this off the ground and, um, and get more, more classrooms involved? Uh, being intentional about it, you know, um, I, I think we, um, my administrative team kind of suffered from the same, the same problems that um, I know our teacher teams were, were suffering from as well, which was, you know, we had not devoted the time or the energy to really trying to get it across the finish line. Um, we um, here at my school you know, have been fortunate enough to get some review committees to come in over the past few years that are just steeped in kind of middle school goodness. And one of the consistent pieces of feedback, because it does make a great middle school, and, and as I've described, it makes a great experience for the kids, is doing this interdisciplinary work. So um, for us, it just, you know, was one of those components that we felt like we, we can't, you know, ignore this and, and, and keep surpassing the opportunity for too much longer. Um, and so we spent some time in our admin team meetings, you know, kind of planning out how we could engage with the PLCs and, and just setting aside the time. Like with anything, you know, when we gave it that intentionality and we developed a process, you know, we could get it done. Yeah. Yeah. It works for sure. Awesome. Well, Opie, um, what's the best way for listeners to get in touch with you? Uh, me personally, um, you know, probably through my email, I, I have a Twitter account and, you know, I see the little red dots come in, but I am not, uh, I'm not an avid, uh, tweeter. Mm -hmm. um, so for me personally, my email, which I'll be glad to give you is, um, is just my last name, Blackwell. And the first letter is O, Blackwell O at Fulton schools with an S on the end dot O-R-G. Um, probably like a lot of people, I feel like I'm on my email all the time. So I'd love to connect with people that way. I've touched base with a few people after this recent conference and would love to make some new middle or higher elementary school connections. So that's the best way. You can also, um, anybody can come check out Ridgeview. Um, we don't have a great Twitter presence, but we, we do tell a lot of stories on Instagram and still the good old Facebook. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, Opie. Um, we, we like to finish um, with the, the big question on, on the show. What, what's one way principals can be a more transformative leader like you? One of my core beliefs, um, I'm, I'm not a especially warm and fuzzy person by nature, um, but uh, one of my core beliefs is um, that, you know, the relationships that we develop uh, with our kiddos, particularly but also with our staff and amongst the staff is, is essential and is, is what can make a, a really great environment at, at a school. So, you know, that kind of like hashtag relationships matter. So one thing um, that I think somebody could do is uh, find a way to be intentional about um, personally recognizing a couple of staff members this week. I, I write notes. Um, 
my amazing uh, secretary gives me four note cards at the beginning of each week. And it's like my weekly challenge that I have to write four personalized notes to four staff members before Friday comes. I've still got my four right here. So I know what I need to do by today. And, and, and today's, um, today's Friday, right? Today's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm usually doing it at, at five 30 or six before I leave, but I literally give myself that challenge and, um, they're just, you know, sometimes I just say, Hey, you know, thanks for the effort that you're giving. It's noticed. Um, it, it really is something that brightens people's days and I see them up on walls and, you know, taped behind their desks. And so, you know, just recognize people and develop those relationships with whatever way works for you. But if it's a note, great. I love that. That's great. And really, you know, it connects well with the topic today, I'm trying to get the interdisciplinary connections. <laughs> there's a lot of curriculum and, and design and planning, but if you don't have those relationships between the staff, it's not going to work. That's right. You got to have yeah, that trust. Right. You got to have that, that willingness to take a risk and, and try that. So that's, that's awesome. Well, thanks Opie. Really appreciate having you on the show. Um, hopefully you get ready to get some, some resources shared out. I know, like you said, presenting um, at AMLE, I know, I know you're already getting a few, but there's a lot of principals out there that could, could use some help. Um, so thanks for coming on the show and, and showcasing some of the great things you and your staff are doing at Ridgeview Charter. Yeah, glad to, glad to be here, Eric. Thanks for having me and um, love to make some connections. So thanks for this opportunity. Yep, you're welcome. Thanks, Opie. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.